Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 180. I'm your host, Ali 34. I just wrote the dirt. Tonight's panels are Carl Berry, Dr. Kelly Brown, and Buddy Thornton, Positive Social Change Agent Pro. Buddy Thornton, Positive Social Change Agent Pro, please say hello again to the people. I feel so privileged to be on with my two panel mates tonight. And everybody, this is going to be an amazing journey. And the Honorable Carl Berry, please say hello to the people, sir. I echo the very same sentiments. It's always a pleasure to come together on this particular podcast. I'm excited and honored. And we have none other than Dr. Kelly Brown. Please say hello again to the people. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am looking forward to tonight's conversation um, with you and my panelists. Let's dig in. Well, tonight's topic is AI in the mix of educational reform. AI, that is artificial intelligence. Listen, let me go around the panel real quick. You know how we do it here. And I want to ask the question, what was your thoughts when you got this topic for tonight? Who wants to go first? Well, I guarantee you uh, the first thing I thought about was some incredible quotes by someone who has not been with us for a while, Albert Einstein. And uh, as wise and as intelligent as that man was, he predicted right where we will be today. And I think my take on AI is going to be very expository. So we will uh, wait until I get to join in. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me how the more you think about things, the more you can circle back to history and find them again. Carl, Carl Berry, what was your thoughts when you got to talk for tonight? Well, frankly, I must admit that I don't have a lot of information on the topic, uh, mainly because I've been afraid of it. And so I figured God had jokes that put me on this show tonight. Um, and I, ironically, I went on a fishing trip earlier today with one of the guys that I worship with, and uh, we had a long talk about AI and what it's doing and how it's being done in other cultures and other countries. So I'm interested in learning as much as I am in uh, trying to share what I have come across. Oh, no, we appreciate that. uh, Truly, truly appreciate that. Dr. Kelly Brown, what was your thoughts when you got to the top for the night, please? It was interesting because um, I saw the topic was education reform and my head had gone a different way. Um, And then when I saw kind of some of the topics of discussion, I thought that this is something that's definitely um, current and in the moment. And I'm looking forward to bringing my perspective to it. Oh, this is going to be good tonight. When I got this download, I call it a download because when when I get these topics, it, it, it does, it's just a triangulation of research and, and it comes to me as, as a seed being planted in the form of a, a download. And when I got this download, I thought about uh, the acronym PEGS. Now, the acronym PEGS for all you history teachers is political. That's, that stands for the P. And then economical, that's the E. And then geographical, that is the G. And, but then S is social. Now, social is the way people not only interact, but the way people live, their, their culture. So I thought about how 
our, our culture is shifting. People love to discuss education reform. They, they love it. They love it. Uh, because there, there are so many world leaders now. There are so many change agents out there now. Although it has become something of a cliche, but in fact, it is not, if you really think about it. Because we're talking about reforming an idea. Forming an idea. When you think about forming, light is something that is formed. A light form. But we're talking about improving the people who are educated from something people have been using for years and years. And so it's become a tradition. And so now we're seeing the tradition being pivoted to a new frontier called cyberspace. A new real estate called cyberspace. And in this innovation, in this new real estate that we call cyberspace, now there's, there's a different type of matrix. Or is the matrix the same? We just didn't see it. It was hidden. And so with this matrix, we are now measuring education with cyber technology in the mix. We now are mixing and discussing reforming education after a time where we got hit by some people call it an NBC, nuclear, biological, chemical attack. I don't know, but this COVID-19 that hit us, we didn't see it coming. Though the, the theorists and the, and the authors and these different conspiracy theory books, they, they mention it for years and years and years that this would happen around about this time, 50 years in range, and, and it finally hit us. But then also what hit us was something that we didn't see coming and it was mass shootings hit us it slammed us we lost so many loved ones so now we're, we're talking about transforming from something that we grew up in called tradition and and now we have, must transform into a new norm we must transform into this new norm, just like, and I'm, I'm reminded when, when I was a kid, I won a contest, uh, a drawing contest when I was in, uh, I believe I was in like the second grade. I, 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 there was a contest, and the contest was who could draw the best uh, Ultimus Prime. Well, Ultimus Prime was the leader of the, the Autobots, of the Transformers. And so, and, and that's why I think about when I think about this topic, I think about uh, the movie Transformers and, and the Autobots, and I think about how automobiles and machines transformed into robots and much more advanced technological beings through this artificial intelligence discussing tonight. And so, with that be being in your minds and, and in your thoughts, I want to ask the first question because the panel, the panel is open. The panel is open, and uh, I'm I'm so excited to ask this. What type of because, but you mentioned Albert Einstein. Why did you mention Albert Einstein again when you saw the topic for tonight? Well, I'll lead off with the one quote that pretty much spins the uh, the entire thing into gear, and that. He said, it has become appellingly obvious that our technology has exceeded our humanity. Now, he, he quoted that back in the 1940s, 
but it is so apropos now, you know, 80 years later, that again, our technology is exceeding our humanity. And we, uh, we have to understand the difference between AI, a tool, and AGI, which is uh, uh, general intelligence versus just artificial intelligence, and how that dichotomy that the two things don't necessarily go together, and yet when we look at them, they can be, they're benign, they can be good or bad, and so Albert Einstein predicted uh, 80 years before our current age that technology would become so advanced that there would be regression in the human ability. And I think that's very appropriate to the conversation and some of the things that needs to happen in education to prevent that from happening. I love, and we needed that to happen, what you said, because I, I really loved it. And, and, speaking, and speaking of love and speaking of the love language, because the panel is still open, we, the panel <laughs> never closed, it's still open. Are, are young people falling more in love with technology than they are humanity? I'm going to ask that question again while you chew on it. Are young people, are our young people, are our children, are they falling more in love with technology than they are with humanity? And who's to blame if they are falling more in love with technology than humanity? The panel's open. Who wants to take that? This is Carl Berry, and I have to stop and pause because you talked about politics, you talked about education, you talked about social, and when we talk about all of this, you've got to admit and acknowledge that we have silos in our education, in our stratosphere. Uh, We've still got a lot of confusion and you you got to watch who you're listening to is it a dot com or is it a dot org and so i worry that our children are being made to think they're falling in love with technology with all of these things but in the reality of things as an outsider looking in the first question comes to my mind is this real or is this you know, the blue pill or the red pill on the matrix, or is it a, a throwback to where the uh, artificial intelligence will take over humanity at some point? And I know that's a lot of supposition, and deliberately it's a lot of ignorance, because ignorance is not stupidity, it's lack of knowledge. And I do think we have a great lack of knowledge on the topic. I, um, I'll just follow up with, um, with what he was just saying. I honestly, um, understand everyone's perspective and I struggle a little because I think that, um, I don't know obviously what's happening in the future, but currently I think technology, even with all of its advances, is still dependent on human behavior. And so let me um, explain that. I was playing with that um, new chat GPT function um, just to kind of see what it was all about. And um, I'm in education, so I've heard 
a lot of like uproar and it kind of reminded me of <clears throat> the discussions that teachers were having when calculators were first coming up, you know, that people aren't going to be able to learn how to do math and how to add, but I feel like it became a useful tool. And of course, everything in life can be become a crutch or can be a tool to propel you forward. So computers and all of this has just given us like amazing discoveries. Um, so when we're looking specifically on art, um, artificial intelligence, like um, those used in the education world, for example, that chat GPT, I typed in a topic that I researched um, to see what it would give me, and it was nothing um, that I felt like would have convinced people who are aware of my topic, if that makes sense. But I was writing a paper and I highlighted a sentence that I couldn't get right and I clicked to see if they could make it better and it made it more clear and more legible. But it was still dependent on me. So when you talk about falling in love with technology and humanity, um, I think in anything that we can talk about, there's extremes to both ends, people who reject technology and those who embrace it too much. But I'm thinking if we kind of think about it as a tool in the middle that supports, there's lots of technology that can really help us be live in a more sustainable society and that can help us in amazing ways and it can also hurt us in terrible ways. But all of it is dependent on human behavior. So when you fall in love with humanity or you fall in love with technology, you have to fall in love with the good and the bad. You have to take both because there's good and bad parts of technology depending on how you, how you use it. But that's the same thing with humanity as well, that we can use it for good and we can also use it for evil. It's just thinking about how do we tend towards the middle so that we're focusing on using everything that, I, that we have to support us and our community. That was perfect and powerful. Thank you. Thank you for the response. Who's who's next? Who's next? Well, I want to follow up on what both of them said. Uh, and I'm going to bring in another one of those famous quotes. Uh, Einstein said, I believe in standardization of automobiles, not people. And uh, obviously what he was talking about was exactly apropos to this conversation. Uh, human beings anchor on uncertainty, not certainty. Whereas AI and AGI, by programming, have to attempt to anchor on certainty. And to Dr. Brown's comment, we all have a different way of speaking or relating our knowledge to other people, and that's uh, called idiosyncratic behavior. Nobody can predict exactly how Dr. Brown is going to write something. And if I was given the exact same topic, I would write it a different way. And if Mr. Barry was given the same topic, he would write it his way. AI and AGI try to focus on narrowing down to a succinct behavior that tries to find perfection. Humans do not find perfection. We find imperfection and good enough. So the question is, how do we take the tool that AI should be, a benign tool, and how do we apply it? And I think we apply it through intent, motivation, and application. The tool is never going to go away. Can we get children to understand that it is just a tool and it's not 
to replace their thinking. It's to allow them to be more critical thinkers because it takes care of some of the mundane tasks. Uh, that's the question. How do we make that happen? Can we t teach them that there is an analog part of the behavior that must be learned, which is in the application part? Or do we allow them to just anchor on the digital side and regress, which was what Einstein pre predicted? This is so good. As all of you were talking, I thought about recording studios. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Back in the, I'll say the early, uh, early forties, all the way to the the late seventies, you you had analog recorders, rec recording analog, and that analog sound made you feel a, a certain type of way. You you had those bands out there like Earth, Wind & Fire. You had Rolling Stones. You had Pink Floyd. You had Miles Davis. You had Chicago. But the sound that you got it, it just, it just took you to dreamland, because it was it was warm, the environment was was spacey, but it was compressed in a way that made you feel a certain type of way. It, it changed the mood. You know, if if you ever want to change, the the quickest way to to rearrange furniture in the house is is to play music. But then when we when we got into the the, the late nineties and, and we had those you know Pro Tools the, those those DAWs come on the scene and, and people you know anybody could get a studio then you can get a studio in your garage in your bedroom because it was all on the computer it, but it took away that 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 analog that analog sound and it became more quantized. And and the emotion it kind of left out a little bit because everything was so syn syncopatic to a, a a quantized beat for those musicians out there, and and this was a part of that that artificial intelligence. I'm I'm not playing uh, this beat now. I'm looping. I'm, I'm looping the track. I'm looping the sound, and I don't have to hire a, a, a live drummer now. Because I can use, I can go out there and buy a drum machine, and it can give me a, a artificial, a artificial sound that's similar, but is not authentic. I want to talk a little bit about authentication. I want to talk a little bit about how AI is affecting our health, how it's affecting. When I mean by health, I'm saying like obesity, sitting in front of a computer all day, uh, you know, instead of walking around. How, how is it affecting employment? How will it affect employment in the future? How will it affect behavior, mental health in the future? How is AI, okay, affecting all, how is it contributing to all of these um these things that I just mentioned, the panel is still open. Who wants to take that first? How is AI affecting our mental health, 
our physical health, our job employment, and our social interaction. Who wants to take that first? I'd like to ask the question based on what you just said. Talk about it. It was proposed. It was asked of me uh, because the humanism piece is part of the creativity of the artificial intelligence. Is the ego and the uh, arrogance of the human being translated somehow into the artificial intelligence? Is it cropping out equity? Is it actually avoiding inclusion with making you think that you're seeing it? So, my, you know, to me, it's as, are things as what they seem? Or is there something going on that's unseen? When you think about when things are coded and being prepared, um, to Buddy's point, they're being prepared by human beings when we are all imperfect. So the technology in and of itself is going to be imperfect as well, um, especially when you look at kind of the newer kind of AI in terms of like writing and creating for you. It's still going to be biased because the only thing that it has is what's already been created that's already on the internet, that's already out there, which is already um, not inclusive of different races, genders, cultures. And so you're going to get that spit back out at you, which is why the beautiful diversity of humans is still ultimately going to be necessary, right? As I said before, for like the good or for the bad, to your point, when you were talking about the music earlier, you know, where you may have lost some of that sound that technology also birthed the hip-hop community right and so i think people are able to be creative and still use things as a tool um for good but nothing is going to be perfect because when you create um when you create a tool that's supposed to get it right all of the time in a world that's changing it's never going to be right all of the time if that makes sense so i um, I think that humans are always going to be necessary. And again, to your point about how it could affect health and jobs and all of that, I think in every course, things are going to be changing. I look at the example of... Um, um, taxis, right? When people had to drive taxis and then you had um, Ubers and then you're going to have self-driving cars where people may lose their jobs or is it really changing from going from working for coal as opposed to electric energy? So over time, I think jobs are going to be, be shifting, but I think that's part of how we together need to, again, in community, support each other to really look at and be forward-thinking about what our kids need to learn so that they're going to be successful in the next um, economy or the next system whenever that comes up. I want to add one thing there, uh, not to go on very far, but I want to circle in with two more of Einstein's quotes. And this is both sides of the coin. You know, AI is benign. We have said that twice now. That's actually a third time. And here's the thing. 
Einstein said technological process is like an axe in the hands of a pathological criminal. That's if you get someone who's using it for nefarious reasons or they just believe that it's going to be superior to humans and they quit trying. But Einstein gave us the flip side. He said there is that inevitable and indomitable spirit of a human. The most important thing is not to stop questioning. Humans question. AI looks for the shortest and simplest path to complete entropy. It wants a perfect system at the bottom of the well. Humans don't do that. Einstein said curiosity has its reason for existence. And curiosity is what makes humans infinitely superior to AI now and for the foreseeable future. Now, let's let's go back to educational reform. Let's go back to the classroom, okay? Let's go back to the classroom. Is AI, is artificial intelligence, is it restricting growth or is it equipping growth? Now, what I mean by growth, I'm, we're talking education. We're talking growth mindsets. We're talking about learning. We're talking about cognitive thinking. We're talking about growing as a scholar. Is AI, are computers dumbing down our students? Or are computers equipping our students? The panel's open. Who wants to take that first? Again, I think that circles back to motivation. If you've got a child who just wants the shortest way out the door, it's going to be a very uh, regressive type tool. If you've got a child who really has ambition and drive a good, strong locus of control, they're going to take the tool and they're going to make it malleable in their hands and they're going to use it for its best purposes. And I believe that we're going to see both an incredible amount of innovation over the next 25 to 50 years. And we're also going to see a decidedly less capable underclass that is going to suffer by comparison. When you first started, you talked about conspiracy theories. You just left off um, using the word nefarious. Well, who's zooming who? You know, I'm an old school musician. And we went from lyrics to hip hop, which Dr. talked about. And what we've got to admit is that nothing changes like the changes. But are the changes inevitable or is it part of the people that seek to mislead us into these different silos of population control and genocide and theories of, you know, they, they created the, 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 uh, the, the, the vaccine. They created the disease. And it, was it all done to us or for us or by us or what? Um, I think that... Um Again, I think that technology is changing with the time. I don't know if technology is changing with the time or if the time is changing with technology. I remember when I was in elementary school, um, and I won't share how many years ago, we used to diagram sentences. 
And so I had so much fun diagramming sentences. Um, and, you know, so we knew where the semicolons went and all of that kind of stuff. And I um, absolutely loved writing. Um, at a certain point, I started writing more complex to where it was hard for me to get all of my punctuation correct, right? But then came the computer where I was typing and now it puts me like a little red line when something is incorrect and I can go back in and I can fix it. And it helps make my writing more legible, more readable, more professional. And I don't think that has made me, um, I don't think that was dumbing down. I think that's a way of enhancing to where I can now focus on my thoughts and my ideas, knowing that I'll still be able to have time cleaning it up. You know, I shared earlier about um, the calculator and there's just like so many other tools that we have to know things are changing. My, at a certain point, my kids, um, they quit teaching cursive in our elementary school. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, what are they going to do when they don't know cursive? And my daughter asked me, well, why do you need to use cursive? And I was like, well, that's how you sign your checks. And then she said, but I don't use checks. And I started thinking, well, is that something that they need? And so as, as the world changes, we really have to be able to adapt and understand it so that, again, like I said, that we can support our kids in knowing what they need to do. So because you have a calculator, that does not in no way say that you don't need to know how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. If you go, if you work in a store and the computers go down, you still need to be able to give people change. You need to add it up. But is that a tool to help? So I don't see it as gunning down. Um, I do see it as enhancing, but I do think that we as, and I'm saying we as an educator myself, need to be very aware um, of how it's being used and to educate others and also be in the loop um, um, of what's happening so that we're able to guide people in the way to use things the best way. And I think that's what happens um, with anything that's new. Um, you know, we can look back at when, when I was a kid and I did this, but now my kids, they started off with cell phones. I remember I um, was talking with my daughter when she was younger and I was like, she was talking to my mom. And so when she was done, I was like, Caitlin, I need you to hang up the phone. You can hang up the phone now. And she was like, what do you mean by hang up? And I was like, well, push the red button. <laughs> like, she didn't even, like, she didn't have the phone where you have to put it on the receiver. And I was like, and that's just how, you know, how things change. And Lord knows what's going to happen, like, with my grandkids or, like, my great-grandkids. But I do talk to them about technology, about social media, and about all of those things to keep them safe, to keep them not only physically, socially, and emotionally safe. I monitor the parents. I monitor as a teacher so that I can make sure and guide, you know, guide our students. But to end kind of like where we began with, um, but everything is going to be used for good and for bad. And so we just have to make sure that with our control and with our circle of influence, that the people that I know and love, I'm guiding them to be the better force for community. Dr. Brown, what you said was not only an eye opener. Let me just ask you this question. Will you come back onto the podcast? Of course. 
Thank you. Listen, let me tell you what you just said. To me, what you said, I said it was an eye opener, and I really meant that. Because you just answered a question for me. <clears throat> because I, I myself was thinking, okay, what is, what is the real meaning behind AI? And you, you just told us. It's, it's a time management tool. Uh, earlier, earlier, Mr. Barry, I was talking about quantizing because I, I know you're a musician. And, and the whole purpose of quantizing that beat was because if the drummer was having a bad day and he was off beat, well, then you would just quantize his his beat and, and put it in time. If he, all right, all right for, for people that's not musicians, if a drummer's having a bad day, that means he's playing off beat. He's not on, on, on the rhythm. He's playing off the rhythm. So then you would, you would quantize his his drum pattern and put it on on beat, put it on time, and they call it quantizing. And so the thing about quantizing is you have to quantize it at the right percentile, or it will sound too robotic because it'll sound too perfect. So you want to you don't want to quantize it too much. You want to have it you know loose so it can still have some type of human feel. But this is a part of time management. So the drummer can get in there and get out in one take. Maybe two takes, three takes at the most. Okay, we got enough. We got enough. We're going to quantize it, and then you can go on. So this, this saved time. This saved money. How is the facilitation role as a teacher going to have to kind of step up, switch from being more of you know, you know, write down what I say as opposed to let me facilitate you guys. I'm going to teach you guys. I'm going to guide you guys as you interact amongst each other. I'm, I'm guiding you based off of what I taught you. And I want to see how you guys learn the information from a facilitating approach. Does, does that make sense, that question? It does make sense, but I'm curious okay. on the research of Einstein, how that's going to come to play. <laughs> but before we get to that, I will say that on the humanism side, I think the teacher is got to exercise characteristics that I don't know can be automated. Uh, or even done artificial. And I'm talking about things like care, things like love, things like embracing. Uh, when you're talking about these shootings, I've got a, a friend of mine that's actually uh, over uh, one of the families that he lost three people and the five-year-old son survives and he's dealing with that in his uh, arena. And one of the things we talked about is is that the artificial intelligence reads the response of the children, the, the facial expressions, the emotional response. But the teacher, I think, is still hopefully the only one that can convey care. Because if we try to start caring and loving artificially, I don't know how intelligent that would be. Ooh, that was listen. Oh my you got me jumping up right now. That's it. That that is that's the answer. 
I AI will never be a caregiver. They can never, I don't think, can never be a caregiver. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Can, can a robot burp your baby after you give him milk? I don't know. Maybe they can change their diapers. I, I don't know. Buddy Thornton, what's your thoughts? Can, will computers ever? And I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the cartoon and Jessens. I, I. I don't know. What's your thoughts? You can't really get idiosyncratic emotion out of a program. How many millions of things do our senses take in on a given day? And then you extend that over a lifetime and you have to understand that even as humans, a large number of people can't read emotions properly. So how can we teach a program to embed all the different, I mean, it's an infinite array of emotions and caring and not caring and knowing when it's better to reach down and help a child up and when it is better to let them get to their own feet so they learn and progress. You know, it's very important that we understand that there is a time when we need a tool and there's a time when the tool needs us. There's a huge, huge difference there. And I think, Carl Berry hit it on the nose. I don't want a computer or a robot or a, whatever you want to call them at some point in the future. I do not want an Android teaching my children emotions. They Abstraction is the gift that humanity has for the universe. We can think in incredibly abstract ways. I mean, come on, they invented the Jetsons, what, back in the 50s, 60s? Uh, Dick Tracy in the 30s and 40s had, you know, picture watches on their wrists. These are all things that we take for granted today. But it took an imagination and it took just the emotion of what if. How do you teach AI to ask the question, what if? It's very powerful. You know, it, it's just incredible that you know, they even think, well, they're going to replace us or they're going to be able to replace a lot of the things we do. Well, you know, as they replace some of the mundane jobs, we're going to innovate ourselves into a higher plane and we're going to just create all new jobs. It is never going to be a question of, a, it's going to be addition by subtraction is what it can end up being. Oh, this is so good. All right. So my question to you then, let me go to Buddy Thornton, Possible Change Agent Pro. Let me go to you. So, Years from now, decades from now, what are our grandkids going to look at this time? What are our great-grandkids? What are our great-great-great-grandchildren are going to call this period of education right now? Are we we actually in a, a type of dark ages as it relates to education right now? What's your thoughts? I think pedagogy will take a a quantum shift to the side. What's going to happen is, because humans have to leverage the biology. The biology tells us that we have neuroplasticity. If we don't need something, it's going to go away. That's the regression that we expect. 
when I need something done on one of my cell phones, I don't try to do it myself. I hand it to one of my adult grandchildren. They hand it back to me and say, okay, now that's what you do right there. And I go, okay, I'm glad you know, because I don't know. I have no clue. Neuroplasticity has embedded in me the shortest distance from knowing to getting where I need to be is to hand it to them and let them hand it back in five, ten seconds, and it's right. That's adaptation. You know, neurogenesis is what works in the brain. Everything keeps growing unless we don't need it anymore. So as time goes on, teachers are going to adapt. Instead of teaching people to hold on to knowledge, they're going to teach people how to find knowledge. And the ones who are at the top, the, the top 10 to 20%, who are the innovators and the uh, artists in the scientific world, as the way I like to put it, they're going to keep leading us further and further through the innovation curve. And everybody else is going to go along for the ride, which is okay. That's okay. It, but it does mean that we're going to adapt. Teachers are going to teach people now, you know how to find it, so they can concentrate 80, 90% on applying the knowledge. You know, one of Einstein's really, really good quotes was, we have absolutely no clue what kind of weapons are going to be used for World War III, but we do know that World War IV is going to be fought with sticks and stones. That's, that's the reality. We can already predict the future because we can see so far into the past. An AI will never have that kind of abstract thinking. Teachers will adapt. And when I talk to teachers today, when I talk to you, you tell me what's lacking is the application because you have to concentrate so much on the knowledge that you can't impart enough application. If you don't have to impart as much knowledge and you can concentrate on application, how far can you take these kids? That's my question. How far can you take these kids? I don't think this is going to be the dark ages. I think it's going to be the same kind of pivot that we had between the industrial age and the knowledge age. That's what I think it's going to be. Listen, we, we out of time. We're going to have to do a part two, part three, probably part four on this one. We, I, okay, listen, we're out of time. What's the takeaways for tonight? Who would like to go first? I just want to close with the importance of what if, if only in just one more time. You know, I uh, hesitate, but I'm going to say this. In the Bible, there's a line that talks about so dark you can feel it. And buddy, I appreciate you referring to and uh, eloquently saying what you had to say about darkness. Uh, because darkness was weird. It was it was frightening, so stark that people couldn't even see each other in the dark. And we give so much credibility to this AI that we don't see the darkness that is coming back to the, you said, Einstein said that World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. To me, that's just one more time. Uh, Mr. Barry, I, I really, really do appreciate your perspective. 
and I do know that as imperfect as humans are, and that's never going to change. We are always going to be beautifully imperfect. There is so much beauty in the imperfection. We'll always strive for perfection, but it's the impossible dream. And no matter what they do with AI or AGI that follows AI, it's never going to accomplish what nature and God, the creator, put into us. You know, there's never going to be a computer that can wire itself in a, a day, a month, a year. And yet the human brain does it by all by itself in the first 45 days since conception. You know, there's, there's never going to be a, a capability like that. We have the gift of being a biological creation that transcends any kind of innovation that's going to come along. What we have to understand is we can create a, some type of a situation where we put ourselves at risk by depending too much on technology and then allow it to run away from us. That, that would be the mistake we would make because people are inherently lazy and they think, well, you know, if I don't have to do this, I got plenty of time to do that. And eventually they're going to go, well, wh what happened? And the biggest question behind what happened is what if, if we don't take the steps to stop that, what if, what, what is that? What if, is it going to be dark or is it going to be the next step in our evolution? This was another impactful night. Impact Desk is Lee Shields.